Hello there, you ICMs. It's Chappie, your British butler. Your Friday Fun King is back again to entertain you and really lead you the little drum roll into your perfect weekend, hopefully. Oh, it's lovely to be here. It's lovely to be in the warm, actually. I never never thought that the podcast could uh, to keep me out from my morning jaunt, my morning walk. But you know, this morning, the last couple of mornings have been absolutely bitter. It was minus 18 yesterday morning. It's now, I think, six degrees Fahrenheit. So when the dogs sort of pull you to come back in, the dogs love playing in the snow. They love frolicking in the snow. It's almost like uh, they're in the video with George Michael and Andrew Ridgely and those two girls frolicking around in that Wham! Last Christmas video. That's what dogs are like. They love the snow. But when they pull you to come back in and uh, you know to have some hot beef broth, yes, I do spoil my dogs. I sort of gently warm some beef broth, bone broth actually, in the pan this morning. And I uh, poured it into their bowls. You know, dogs can't drink hot chocolate. So a little bit of slightly warmed uh, bone broth is absolutely perfect for them. Just make sure there's no onions or garlic or scallions or anything like that in there. And it'll warm their little cockles. It's perfect. But yes, they pulled me to come in. And it is absolutely frigid outside. And had the problem. I couldn't put the Harris Tweed uh, cap on this morning. Because i just done my hair, darlings. i just I just done my hair. I don't want to mess up that bouffon. Yeah, so I just I just spent quite a bit of time like straightening the wig. Well, not really a wig. Beautiful, beautiful luscious locks we have here, Chappie. But yeah, I'd, I'd just spent probably um, 15 minutes doing that. And I've got this brilliant new, thanks to my beautiful lady, beautiful um, new Revlon hair straightener. And the hot air shoots out. Of, uh, of of this whilst you're doing your hair, so you don't need to like be like an octopus and have one hand on a on a comb, one hand on a round brush, one hand on the hair dryer. No, it's all in one. So I was thinking, well, maybe I could start like maybe straightening out my back hair as well, and see if I could sort of create some sort of 70s type of shag pile on my back. I mean, that would be a wonderful thing to do, wouldn't it? But yeah, I couldn't put the I couldn't have the hat on, so I had to have the hood up this morning. I mean, there's a lot of hairspray in here. I mean, this is uh, this this is like a helmet. There's a little bit of Margaret Thatcher going on. I mean, I think she used a lot of hairspray. My dearest grandmother, uh, my dearest nan Joyce, she used a lot of hairspray. I mean, that's one of the smell that I remember vividly was that gold L'Oreal, and there's a lady with like some sort of like fixed up perm on this L'Oreal um, container, this sprayer. And that was one of the smells of my uh, of my childhood. This L'Oreal, I don't know whatever smells of your childhood that you can remember. A meaty smell. I can remember like an essence of meat emanating from everywhere. Um, my uh, grandfather's Old Spice, a sort of more of a floral, maybe fragrant type of uh, lilac smell. Um, from, from, from my other grandmother. It's amazing, isn't it? But smells take you right back. And I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. There was a time, I don't know, about five or six years ago, when I was uh, walking the dogs 
and I literally smelt uh, my grandmother's perfume. And I hadn't smelt anything like that since she had passed. It was, and it took you right back. It was pure nostalgia. It's like songs take you back as well. Certain tong- songs take you back. I was going to say certain thongs take you back. Well, that may be the case too. But certain songs take you back uh, to periods of your life. Like Peter Cetera's Glory of Love. I remember, I remember from Unrequited Love back in the early 90s. <laughs> it's like ridiculous, isn't it, really? What, uh, how your memory works and the things that trigger your memory. It's like being a, you know, 85-year-old project manager and you're creating little milestones through your life and little things trigger those uh, memories and thoughts here. But anyway, the uh, the feeling of having the end of my nose about to fall off because it was so cold, that wasn't particularly pleasant. So I'm back inside now, had the first cup of tea. I'm trying again to do the podcast while sort of fasting and not eating anything before the end of it. But I just wonder, I, I do worry that if I don't eat before the podcast, I sound hangry. Can one sound hangry? Yes, I think you can. Have you ever sat down to do something and basically sitting down to do something sort of fairly peacefully for the next hour gets the sort of river of Babylon's moving, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, uh, the uh, Mississippi River decides to break its banks, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's exactly what I feel in the podcast. Yeah, I sort of sit down thinking I'm ready to go. I'm raring to go on the podcast. And all of a sudden, yes, the shrill call of nature suddenly hits you. And you realize, yes, I'm not quite ready for this. And this happens all the time. It happened to me during exams. It's happened to me, you know, when you have an important conversation with somebody like an interview in the past or something where you're going to sit down for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and you can't really get up or move away from the place you are. I mean, much worse sort of uh, in person than maybe on a Zoom call because, you know, you can always do the whole technology thing and you lose, you know, they lose the picture or they lose the audio. You can put yourself on mute quickly and you can run in and let nature take its course. And uh, I mean, that's that's the situation I'm feeling this morning. I'm like all ready to go here. We're recording the top end of the podcast. You know, the first, they always say the first 90 seconds of the podcast hooks the person in. Well, I think I've lost probably all the listeners right now. <laughs> I, I haven't got the hook. It's like trying to catch great white shark with a piece of sweet corn. That's probably the situation here. But uh, yeah, of course, you, you, you want to sit down. You're, you want to spend some time. Uh, focused on something and then that then that happens you're, you're called away so to speak you're called to the uh, you're called to the library where you have to uh, take some books out for the weekend if you know what I'm saying yes so there we go lovely to have you here wondrous to have you here it's 161 episodes that we've had of this wondrous podcast on last week's program we discussed how it might be a good idea to have royally embossed condoms and they should probably be supplied to all members of the royal family at the age of 18. Uh, that's something that we uh, did think about uh, could start all sorts of problems and issues occurring here. Uh, also we did talk about uh, the arse aerator, the arse aerator 
and um, holy undergarments as well. I mean, it's it's very, very, very important. I mean, we just witnessed Rafa Nadal. He won the Australian Open, and he is one of the um, sort of infamous ass twitchers. And that's not a bird, by the way. It's not like some sort of uh, bird watching term. Now he's an ass twitcher, isn't he? His underwear gets caught in various crevasses. And uh, he picks at it. But yeah, we talked about that on the podcast uh, last week. But today, the current state, real world state of, uh, of the podcast. And it's a, it's a fun packed show or fun packed shows that we have over the course of the next week. We're going to be talking about gout. Yes, gout, middle aged problems. I mean, this is really the running thread through this podcast. It's a slightly aging podcaster who's beginning to feel the aches and pains of uh, of life you know when you wake up in the morning and suddenly your back hurts for no apparent reason other than that you tried to straighten your hair it's those sort of things you know so it's really the the diaries the tale of a man falling apart a man past his prime potentially well not past my prime in the sense of uh, being able to handle a four course meal I mean, I'm still, I still feel that I, uh, I still feel I'm up with the best of them when it comes to uh, triathlon eating, so to speak. Also, mad cow disease. Yes, we bring up mad cow disease. I cannot give blood. So, mad cow disease and I cannot give blood in America are somehow linked here. Uh, also, um, we're revisiting tennis elbow. Yes, I had an interesting occurrence in the, in the week here. What are your binge watching habits when you get a new box set or a new show to watch? Do you have certain habits you have when you're sort of settling down to watch this? I'm going to be talking about one of those habits that I have as well. Also, I keep cutting myself. No, it's not some sort of uh, problem that I'm having at the moment. I'm not bloodletting or anything. Well, I guess I am bloodletting. But I keep cutting myself whilst I'm shaving. Now, I've shaved in the shower for, well, when did I start shaving? 13 years, and then you do mental arithmetic. Probably like 30-odd years I've been shaving in the shower. And I've never cut myself as much as I'm at the moment. Now, could this be that I'm losing uh, my faculties in the way that my right hand's not working quite as well as it used to? Well, it used to be my left hand. It used to work very, very well, thanks very much, back in the day. But yes, yeah, so... I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm losing quite a bit of blood on a weekly basis these days. And I don't know what's going on. Also, should we have a seance to bring back the spirit of a dead miller? No more's going to be said. We'll tackle that subject uh, either today or tomorrow in the podcast. Frozen bottles of urine. We never talked about meta honey, Zuckerberg honey, uh, cheese snobbery. How dare you? Nose yoga, Polak nipples, men's toenails, and old farts quitting Spotify. Yes. <laughs> Gandalf is also offering me some financial freedoms. Yes. Is it Gandalf the wizard, I ask you? It could be. And uh, why do all Instagrammers and TikTokers uh, basically put on these fake voiceovers? you got some girl talking in... A little old man southern accent. I mean, it's getting a little tedious, isn't it? Almost like a British man talking a load of nonsense for an hour, twice a week for the last year and a half. So when you grew up in the UK, 
we didn't have very much snow. I think we had one white Christmas, maybe in 1981. You know, the old flake here and there running up to Christmas. You get a sort of fascination with snow because you don't have it very often. My dear old dad, I think he's been wishing for a snowfall like 1963, probably for the last 50 years. They haven't had it yet. I mean, they've had a few like beasts from the east and everything else here. But the thing is, though, I think, so you move from the UK and then you live in the Midwest for a while where it's absolutely freezing, Illinois, Minnesota, around that sort of area, where you're basically... Uh, you need long johns, turtlenecks, balaclavas, you need everything. Especially when you've got a dog that needs to go out at minus 30 on a cool Chicago uh, morn at 4 o'clock in the morning down 16 elevator levels. Yeah, that's always fun. I mean, first of all, you've got a dog that's basically trying to cross its legs and you don't know what it's going to be. Could it be a one or a two? I mean, both, both are terrible. One's a bomb. And uh, the other is probably uh, several thousand percent of TNT. And you do not want uh, either of those situations happening in your apartment and certainly not going down in the elevator. But, you, but the cold freezes you to the bone. Nobody knows how cold. I think if you come from the UK and then you live in some of these cold parts. I mean, Colorado, the last few days, with this huge band of snow and ice, unbelievably freezing and frigid. Probably some of the coldest days I've had since living in the Midwest. But I don't think anybody realizes quite how cold it is. I mean, they think it's like some sort of Hallmark holiday uh, Christmas card or Christmas movie or something along those lines. It is bitter. But for me, and this may be, I may need to go and see a therapist about this. The snow never loses its magic for me. I absolutely love it. Especially when it gets, you know, 35, 40 degrees after a big snowstorm, you can get, go out and actually play in it. Now, we're not talking about Olympic skiing or bobsleighing or anything like that. Just going for a gentle walk is enough for me. But it still has its magic. But let me tell you, all you people in the UK are long for more snow and ice. And I think you're going to get some frosty times coming up soon. It is not quite as romantic as that. You and never going to have enough clothes on and if you leave any piece of skin exposed then it could break off like an icicle yes gentlemen make sure your flies are done up just a little tip for me to you the keep calm and cauliflower cheese listener on the subject of ice uh, Millie Vanilli threatens to move somebody else's music from Spotify if the Joe Rogan podcast remains if ever I take up skiing or winter sports here, or become a winter Olympian, which is highly possible with my sense of balance, I think, um, I saw a picture of the last Shah of Iran in bespoke evening dress in cricket whites while skiing. Now, if ever I was to become a skier, I would be in full cricket whites or cricket creams with, uh, obviously, the white cable knit sweater. That would be my skiing outfit. I want to present to you now the 13 seasons of winter. Uh, number one, winter. Fake spring. Uh, and we're currently in the second winter. Enough snow, we're cold. Sprinter. That's spring plus winter. Thunderstorm season. Never-ending winter. A week of actual spring. Then summer. Then too hot for Colorado. Fall or autumn. Just kidding, still summer. And then 
actual autumn. 3D printed salmon hailed as a great leap for vegans. Vegan friendly salmon could become the newest staple on menus after an Israeli startup said it invented the world's first steak made entirely from legume, proteins, and algae extracts. Oh, sounds delicious. The company Plantish announced the product this week, saying it had developed a system for 3D printing that would allow it to make plant-based fish alternatives. The bonus fish fillet uh, was made in reverse engineering salmon, and its key components such as protein, fat, omega-3 and 6, before swapping them out for plant alternatives. Ofek Ron, he sounds like a trendy startup, Ofek Ron, the company's co-founder and chief executive said a fish is the most hunted animal in the world. Unless we do something in a few dozen decades, there'll probably be no more fish in the sea. We exist to save the oceans and eliminate the need to consume marine animals by providing more sustainable, more nutrients and more delicious fish options. The company said the boneless salmon fillet would have the same nutritional value as a real fish, but without the mercury, antibiotics, hormones and microplastics found in the ocean. Oh yes, so we have a fillet fish with a delicious uh, microplastics compote for you. Absolutely delicious here, uh, great for the digestion. The company said the product would be launching uh, in pop-up locations later this year. I don't think I'd want a pop-up salmon suddenly appearing. I mean, I think to be honest, if the salmon pops up and it's slightly aging, you would know where the salmon is. You could tell where the pop-up is. How are they going to get the smell of the fish, though? Is it going to smell like fish, or is it going to have neutral a neutral smell? Because I want my fish to smell like fish. Call me old-fashioned. Maybe not that sort of aging, fishy smell that can put anybody off their dinner. But a slight a slight whiff of fish I need if I'm going to be eating fish. Hiller Emlick, a food scientist, said the 3D printing is the name of the game. We come to the lab and take certain substances from plants. For example, soy protein, fat, water, omega-3, omega-6 to create the composition we reassemble into the fish configuration. We want to rebuild the structure of the fish properly. You know what, though? I'm, I, I, I'm telling a slight porcupine here. Now, yes, I do like the smell of fish, but I don't know if you've ever been in an office where somebody's reheated salmon from the day before. Yeah, you have to call in the biological disaster scientists, if that ever occurs. Grandmother is a wondrous woman. My nan is one of the inspirations of my life. Love her dearly. She's 92 years old now. Is she 92 or 93? 92. And, you know, she's had her issues. She recovered from a, um, basically a, a broken hip a few years ago and is doing wonderfully well. Um, but, you know, she's had these trouble little bleedings and things like that. And so she often goes in and has uh, sort of blood transfusion or iron infusions and all of this sort of thing. So recently, I think she had a blood transfusion. And everything worked very, very well. Uh, back to sort of full energy capacity. Uh, making a very extra strong coffee that she uh, likes to make. You know, with a little dash of Baileys in there. And she all of a sudden started getting a pain in her toe. And she said, well, I think I've got bloody gout. Well, I mean, she's, 
eats quite frugally and, and, and doesn't overindulge very much anymore. So what, why would she be angry? And never doesn't drink a doesn't drink a drop. So anyway, so she went to see the doctor, and the doctor did confirm that she had gout. And she thought that the blood that had been infused came from maybe some slightly portly middle-aged port drinker, probably an alcoholic, and she had had some alcoholic's blood infused into her body, giving her the painful nub and toe of gout. And in celebration of my dear Nan's uh, blood transfuse from probably a guy called Dave, who was maybe a port drinker, but certainly an alcoholic. We have a couple of limericks here. What is hoppy and brings us good cheer? Not a froggy, I promise, my dear. It's brown, black, and tan and can come in a can. It's deliciously wonderful beer. And one day my mouth felt so dry and I thought I was about to die. Then I saw the word beer and one salty tear of happiness escaped from my eye. And the royal typo, thousands of souvenirs for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee feature an embarrassing misprint. A translation error has resulted in thousands of souvenirs marking Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee rather than her Platinum Jubilee. <laughs> it's like Del Boy. Lovely Jubilee. Uh, over 10,000 mugs, tea sets and decorative plates meant to mark the monarch's 70-year-old reign featured an illustration of the Queen surrounded by images uh, featured in her coat of arms, as well as the misprint. Now, the CEO of Wholesale Clearance UK, Carl Baxter, stepped in to try to sell the full stock for nearly 44000 The pitch is for the reseller to turn the supply and make some cash, a potential profit of nearly 400000 You have noticed that more at home on the shelf next to Peckham next spring that are, in fact, celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, the website says. These are the as you say the creme de menthe if you're a fan of the queen and del boy two birds with one stone apart from the obviously gimmick factor there is an abundance of fantastic things you can do with this thing uh, number one become an only fools and horses fan and wow your friends with your lovely jabbly set have a plate smashing contest take up plate spinning as a hobby have a dangerous game of frisbee there's a market for everything a spokesman of the company told the bbc the uh, february the 6th will mark the 70th anniversary of queen elizabeth taking the throne i do want to get myself some of those lovely jubbly plates you could sell the plates to a greek wedding supplier that would be an excellent way of getting rid of them all Sweden deploys easy-to-teach crows to pick up cigarette butts. Crows will be sent to pick up discarded cigarettes in Sodertal, Sweden. Birds are being trained to place the litter into the machine which will dispense food. The method is part of the pilot project 
by the Keep Sweet and Tidy Foundation. Crows will be sent to pick up discarded cigarette butts and other forms of litter from the streets of the Swedish city. The wild birds are being trained for a step-by-step process to pick up rubbish and place it into a machine which will dispense food for them. The method is part of a pilot project called Corvid Cleaning by the Keep Sweet and Tidy Foundation, aims to lower the costs of street cleaning in the city. Christian Gunter Hassan, the founder of the company, estimates that the use of the crows uh, could save Sodatal uh, 20 million krona uh, on street cleaning, at least 75% of the costs. He also said the wild birds were taking part on a voluntary basis and easier to teach than other birds. I mean, how do you how do you get a bunch of crows? Do they sort of sign up? They get in a doll line and they sign up with their beaks and saying, I'm volunteering to try to clean up the streets here in Stockholm or wherever it is. He told the Swedish news agency TT they're easier to teach and there's a higher chance of them learning from each other. At the same time, there's a lower risk of them mistakenly eating any rubbish. As part of the training, the crows are taught to pick up cigarette butts and throw them into a special vending machine. The vending machine will be able to tell the litter apart from other items such as stones and leaves and will reward the birds with food. Mr. Gunter Hassan said the cost of the city is essentially 6p or more to pick up one cigarette butt, but the crows were deployed, the cost would be 1p per cigarette. I mean, you're not even paying the crows minimum wage here. He asked, the saving for the municipality depends on how many cigarette butts the crows pick up. I don't think anybody smoked in Sweden anymore, so maybe maybe low cost. Mr. Gunther Hassan said the uh, foundation uh, far used hooded crows to train, but magpies and jackdaws are expected to be part of the project. I mean, you could have a whole, like, gang warfare between the magpies, the crows and the jackdaws. There'd be havoc on the city with birds having civil wars on the streets. In 2018, six crows were trained to pick up the deposit litter in a box at Poi de Four theme park in, in, in France. Speaking at the time, Nicolas de Villiers, the resort president, said the goal is just not to clear up, but the visitors are generally careful to keep things clean. Nature itself can teach us to take care of the environment. In 2017, the Dutch company Crowder Cities also helped to train crows to pick up cigarette butts to tackle discarded litter on the streets. The project was shut down by officials in 2018 because there's far few resources to continue the project. I mean, people will be picking the crows off the street and making crow pie. Well, nicotine lace crow pie. I mean, the thing is, then you're going to get like uh, Charlie the crow. Yeah, could you could you just go and get me some more backy? Oh god, I need a I need a hit here. I, I god, I need a need a hit. I need a, need one with my cup of tea in the morning. So you got like crows like uh, become addicted to nicotine. So then you're going to have a bunch of crows having to have nicotine patches put on their backs. And that's going to definitely uplift the costs. Okay, so I've just hopped into my closet and we're going to have a frigid Long John edition of Jumper Jenga. Yes, we haven't had Jumper Jenga for a while. I think it was the start of the autumn. So another edition of Jumper Jenga. And the rules of the game is this. I have probably over well over 100 sweaters. They're all stacked up uh, a little chaotically, one has to say, in my closet. So I've just hopped into the closet here, just for a second here, just to take a look, because I want to find some uh, long johns that I used to wear circa 1998. Yes, long johns from probably 20 years ago. Now, will they be a little bit yellowy? Uh, will they give me uh, like a pigeon, a pigeon uh, belly? 
when I put them on, pop them on. I mean, I think lots of things will be protruding, but I have to find them first. So the rules of the game is we have the stack of sweaters, and I take one of the sweaters from the bottom, I put it to the top, and I have to keep the Leaning Tower Pisa sweater collection upstanding. Whichever sweater brings the whole house of cards tumbling down, then that sweater has to be donated to charity. So here we go. Uh, well, we've got a stack of several navy blue sweaters right on the top here. We have a navy blue fisherman's sweater. So I'm taking the navy blue fisherman's sweater and I'm going to pop that right on the bottom here. Okay. And just wore this the other day. It's a uh, probably a 1980s cricket sweater. It's embossed with yellow around the V-neck. It's navy blue as well. I do love a navy blue. So I'm going to take that from the bottom. And I'm going to slip that right onto the top of the pile here. And so we continue. Nothing's happened yet. So we have a spring-like sweater here. It's pinkish. A little bit, a little bit more mild than salmon, I would say. And I'm taking that right from the bottom, and I'm going to place that on the top. And we have a very, very fluffy grey turtleneck. A little bit bobbly. It's quite bulky. This could uh, make everything sway around and wobble a little bit. And I pull that from the bottom, and it certainly does make things wobble very much so. Okay, and I think I've discovered... Well, the long johns aren't pristine white anymore. <laughs> to be honest, they're gone slightly grey and a uh, little yellowy around the gills here. So I'm going to uh, take the long johns. Uh, nothing moves as I pull the long johns from the bottom of the pile. I'm going to take them out, but I'm going to pop them on because it's bloody frigid out there. And we continue with our jumper Jenga game here. Now, we've got a black turtleneck. It's wafer thin. It's a layering sweater. I pull that from the bottom and I place it on top. And uh, I've got a, uh, now I've got a grey woolen quarter neck. And I'm going to take the grey woolen quarter neck. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh, no. Oh, and the whole jumper Jenga pile comes a tumbling down. The leaning tower, please, is collapsed. I'm gonna, it's probably going to take me several days to rebuild the wall of sweaters. But the uh, quarter neck, grey, zip-up number, very heavy woolen, grey sweater is going to have to be, I'm afraid, donated. So now I only have 99 sweaters. I think I've mentioned before that nobody wants my blood. Well, other than my razor that seems to cut me to shreds every day here. Um, but yeah, nobody, nobody wants my blood. And over the years, I've tried to give blood a number of times. And um, yeah, the other day, so I thought I wanted to try this out again. So many, many years ago, I wanted to give blood. And basically, uh, the people didn't want to take my blood because I'm foreign. I mean, they, they're Europe, I'm European. I mean, what do they think I'm going to give, you know, syphilis laden blood or something? I mean, it's like going back to the days of the pilgrims. Oh, those dirty Europeans were never going to take their blood. I mean, it's that sort of situation here. So I made the call, but I thought, well, maybe the rules have changed. But people, maybe they're going to need my blood. So I made the call and uh, got through. And I should have been given blood at the, uh, basically, the uh, butler training school. I train up all those brilliant new young butlers 
for a life of service and you can give blood over there so decided to make a call and i was basically told that it was back to the age-old excuse that i cannot give blood because of mad cow disease or some sort of disease along those lines back in the day i could couldn't give blood because people were fearful that the british were carrying mad cow disease yeah well i think only one part of my brain's mad i don't use my uh, left side of the brain so a small portion of the right side of the brain probably is a little bit crazy uh like some sort of crazed cow mm. so there we go maybe one day i will be able to give my blood not be discriminated against that i'm some diseased british burger we do have the inside story of the Pentagon's chicken capture. The call came in at 7 a.m. on Monday. An intruder has tried to enter a secure area of the Pentagon reservation and the security staff needed some assistance because the interloper was hiding under a truck. Sergeant Cliff uh, Balana had just arrived at the office, so he immediately headed up. They gave me an escort to where the chicken was. The Animal Welfare League of Arlington Animal Control Officer says, catching the bird, Mother Clucker took a teamwork. We're able to corner it with another police officer who's part of security. Belena said before catching it in the net, it actually flew into the officer's hands. The Pentagon is definitely the oddest place I've ever been at and have ever apprehended a suspect, Belena says. You don't expect having a chicken in federal property. The Welfare League asked for some names suggested in social media posts about its capture. Uh, Monday, Hentigan, Chick Cheney, Colonel Sanderson, Major Clucks and... Ken, a.k.a. Chick Ken. Uh, some of the uh, contenders, and they finally settled on Henny Penny. So our good friends are very British Problems official. Some of the classics from the week here. I'm actually quite fond of you. Translation in British, or from British to every other language, I want to be with you forever. Ever, ever, ever. And an honest job interview. Uh, would you say you have any uh, weaknesses? Yes, I'm uh, never entirely sure what I'm doing. And uh, then finally, what constitutes showing off in Britain? Laughing too much, smiling, giving a correct answer, possessing a fresh haircut, wearing a new jacket, feeling great, wearing sunglasses, and of course, a firm handshake. I truly believe this uh, program is uh, a public service. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking here about uh, reheating samosas. So before the blizzard uh, struck, I decided to get enough Indian food to feed the, feed the 5,000, basically, including several samosas, which are probably uh, one of my guilty pleasures, amongst many. I mean, I probably live my life by the mantra of a guilty pleasure. A samosa, though, is a triangular pastry filled with a savory stuffing. Just describing it makes me incredibly hungry. It's popular and traditional dish originating in the Middle East, although more popular in the Indian subcontinent. These snacks come in several sizes and shapes, I need to put my teeth in here. Samosas are both bakes and well-fried with uh, filling popularity ranging from potatoes, vegetable, chicken, meat, all spiced up with different ingredients. The crispy, flaky, crusty snack is also known as a sambusa, samosa or singara in many parts of the world. And you can reheat them. If you have an air fryer, you can... Preheat it to 350 degrees and for 10 to 12 minutes in an air fryer. But the other day, I decided to do something 
slightly different. I decided to reheat them in an oven. When you're reheating samosas, you need to make sure that the heating method retains the crispy exterior and crunchiness of the snack. If you put them in the microwave, they become like a soggy flannel. Nobody likes soggy, oily food. I'm sure some people do, but it isn't for me, darlings. To reheat your samosa in the oven, you first need to preheat the oven to 350 degrees for about 10 or 15 minutes. You have had the samosas laying in the fridge for a day or two. You would keep the snacks in room temperature for about 10 minutes. Line up the baking tray with some baking or parchment paper. This ensures the samosa would not stick to the pan when heated into the preheated oven, placing the baking tray with the samosas on top of the middle rack. Five to eight minutes uh, either side and then you have a crunchy delicious snack that basically tastes like it's brand new unbelievable whilst i'm on the subject though if you want to reheat pizza nobody likes soggy pizza either you put it in the oven then it's too crispy ladies and gentlemen i give to you reheating cold pizza in a panini press for just a few minutes you get it slightly crispy, a little doughy. It tastes like the pizza has just come out of the oven for the first time. Thank you very much. That's my tip of the day for you. Hello, hello, hello. It's Trouble Trombone. Uh, Royal Mail have launched an investigation in a video that showed a postman staggering in the street after accidentally eating brownies laced with cannabis. The workers said to have mistaken the edibles in the Pablo Choco bar box for innocent treats were filmed walking unsteadily and needing help on their rounds in Clapham, South London. Social media user, seemingly a colleague, wrote today, almost all of the posties in Clapham accidentally ate ash brownies and I had to pick them up one by one but they were so high one guy said he was walking to a door and forgot he was actually walking the postman always knocks twice well maybe in this case it's more like a dozen times because he's already forgotten that he's knocked on the door and a stomach of steel is required to take part in this raw food challenge a carnivore is putting his love of meat to the test by conducting an experiment to see how long he can survive eating raw flesh every single day the man has managed 78 days consuming his favorite uncooked foods such as chicken breasts uh, steak swordfish and apparently without succumbing to severe food poisoning he's documented his quest to eat raw meat every day until i die from bacteria on instagram at raw meat experiment yeah, you want to be careful when you're searching and Googling at raw meat experiments. Several interesting items may pop up. In one of his first posts, the unnamed man who lives in the US tears into a steak, biting into the fat whilst his dog hangrily looks on. Taking the caveman diet to the extreme, he has incensed joyed delicacies including cow liver and camel milk. On day 33, he tucked into some minced beef, telling followers no chewing involved. You can basically put the whole cow flesh in the mouth and swallow it. Pretty tasty, half the cost of steak and will probably be a weekly meal along with a cod. The following day, 34, when asked how he was feeling, he wrote, Good, I feel good so far. No reason to stop. No crazy changes even way. By day 40, he revealed how he comfortably chowed on one pound of mince in five minutes. And while he said uh, raw meat was growing on him, he conceded cooked flesh tastes a bit better. On day 45, he treated himself to some raw bacon, which he insisted was delicious. Although one follower said, that it looked like a skinned foot. I mean, after 78 days, he will not be singing, We all meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but we'll never meet, meet again, some sunny vegan day.
Folks will know a zombie apocalypse is coming before scientists do, and they'll warn us. Dr. Cameron Carlson of the Zombie Research Society said Brits should listen to their pooches if they start acting shifty. He believes that their powerful sense means that they'll know the undead are coming before the first one even rises. The one animal that will give us signs about what we need to do is the dog. Dogs are extremely sensitive to changes in the environment and changes in the psychological and physiological state around them. Since we're in contact with dogs so much of the time, any change in the environment is going to indeed set them off. He also reckons they'll be able to sniff out the zombie virus way before the dead start walking, thanks to the powerful sense of smell. Changes in uh, atmospheric pressure and natural phenomena can carry odors that only our furry friends can pick up. Well, a dog sniffer can detect rotting meat of the undead and also teenage boys' bedrooms. Beautiful having you here on the podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. Keep coming, Charlie Flower Cheese. 161 episodes we've had so plenty in the back look catalog to dip into like and subscribe when you can but if you like to listen to the podcast apple music apple podcasts have audio editions of the podcast i'm still on spotify you can listen to the audio version on there you can listen on slacker breaker iHeartRadio, pandora audible amazon music basically basically as this dog's sniff the rotting flesh of the undead as they approach in the zombie apocalypse. They will hear the wailing siren of keep calm and cauliflower cheese. The impending doom of the podcast in their ears. But lovely, wonderful uh, for you to join every week. Uh, love my loyal listeners. Hopefully I give you a little glint and ray of light at the end of every week to... Uh, Give you a little bit of a pep in your step before uh, the weekend. If you like music, though, and we have classic music between the utterings of a deranged servant. And by the way, if you haven't seen Servant on Apple Apple uh, TV, you need to watch Servant. It is very disturbing, um, not gory, but disturbing M. Night Shyamalan show. And uh, yes, everybody should be watching that. But I thought, oh, maybe watch it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's some sort of autobiography about me. Well, no, it isn't. Uh, but music-wise, the Butler Emporium musical playlist on Spotify. You have some Bruce Springsteen, Orlando Weeks. You have some Crowded House. You have some Black Crows. You have some Swing Out Sister. You have some Convoy. You have some Tupac. You have some George Michael. You have some new songs from Alt-J, uh, also Mika Blanco. A real musical, delicious delight for you on the Butler Emporium playlist. But coming up next, we have the poem. This is Wintertime, Robert Louis Stevenson. Late lies the wintry sun abed, a frosty, fiery, sleepy head. Blinks but an hour or two, and then again a blood-red orange sets again. Before the stars have left the skies, at morning in the dark I rise, and shivering in my nakedness by the cold candle bathe and dress, close by the jolly fire I sit to warm my frozen bones a bit, or with a reindeer sled explore the colder countries round the draw. When we go out, my nurse doth wrap me in a comforter and cap, the cold winds burn my face and blows its frosty pepper up my nose. 
Black are the steps on silver sod, thick blows my frosty breath abroad, and tree and house and hill and lake are frosted like a wedding cake. I will be back before the end of the weekend with another edition of the podcast. More tales of middle-aged frivolity and woe are on the way to you. But until then, stay warm, keep smiling, and cheerio for now.